Please turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter three or five. Matthew chapter five, not thirty-five, but Matthew chapter five. We're going to do a little audience participation this morning. I'm so glad you're so excited. It's just like keep being overwhelmed by the crowd this morning. Who in here likes math? Let, let me just say this. Nobody's volunteering for anything if we, in this illustration. Who likes math? All right. Who likes reading? All right. Who likes adventure? Travel. <laughs> Who likes <laughs> puzzles? Who likes cars? Who likes amusement parks? Who likes history? Who? Lord, I have an unspoken request for somebody that you know. Who likes flying? Flying. In an airplane. Who likes scuba? <laughs> Thank you, Anderson. And we'll take Anderson scuba diving in this one. Who likes who likes the tuba? No. All right. Who likes crafts? Who likes building and construction? Things with your hand. Who likes computers? There you go. Interesting. Different sets of hands in each one, right? We, uh, we all like different things, and there's different things that make up our identity and who we are and the things that are, that are part of us. And so today, we're actually talking about that very thing, identity realizations. Because often, as Christians, we don't realize who we are. We started a foray or a study into that in our, my class this morning. And it's very interesting as we begin to dive in. Because it is deep water. And my class said, nothing. <laughs> it is deep water. And because we kind of think we know who we are. But it's interesting that following the Sermon on the Mount, and really this is part of it because he's still there and he's still teaching. It's just not what we would call the Beatitudes. Uh, he begins to lay out who they are in their identity here. And as we walk through, as we look at their identity realizations, we're going to realize that we're salt, that we're light, and that we're righteous. And so let's pick up in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 13 through verse 20. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Do not think I came to abolish the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, 
that the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and I thank you for the instruction of Jesus to the disciples here. And I pray that the lessons that you're sharing, that we'll take them. And Father, that we'll respond to you appropriately. And I pray that you use us for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we begin with the fact that you are salt. Anybody ever heard this before? That you're the salt of the earth? You ever heard that? Listen, here we're told that we're the salt of the earth. Now, salt is salty because of its chemical composition, correct? All right? We're not going into science class this morning, but just stay with me. And so it's salty because of what it is. Saltiness is the essence of salt. That's what it is. And so the essence of who we are in Christ changes the earth because we're here. You change people around you because of who you are in Christ. We don't ever think about, we think that we have to do certain things or act certain ways or be something that we're not today, right? That's usually what it is. We have to become something that we're not. When we were saved, we were completing Christ 100% from the moment that we said yes. And so we became salt at that moment. Not like Lot's wife became salt by looking back. We became salt by looking to him. And so he lays that out for us here, that that's who we are. We have to embrace the idea that how God created us in itself makes an impact. Now he talks to them here about, he tells them if you lose your saltiness, how can salt lose its saltiness if that's what it is? Have you ever wondered that? How is that possible? It ceases to be salt to lose its saltiness. So if that's the essence of what it is, and we lose the essence of who we are, we cease to be salty. If we don't embrace, in other words, if we don't embrace who we really are in Christ, we will not function the way God had intended for us to function. And it's so easy to just go through life and think it's about behavior instead of about being, instead of about what God has done in us. And so don't lose your identity. Most of us are still struggling with the idea of who we really are in Christ. We don't really know. We kind of think, and I don't know about you, but we kind of think that when we come to salvation in Christ, that Christ is added to our life, our sin is gone, he comes in. He makes things better, if you will. We have somebody we can rely on. We go to heaven when we die. And we have somebody that we can pray to and talk to. 
and help us survive life and may work through us at times. Isn't that kind of what we think about when we think about salvation? What if I were to tell you salvation is so much more? What if I were to tell you it's beyond what you can even imagine? What if I were to tell you salvation is not a destination, but a relationship? You've heard that. What if I were to tell you that he's saving you in the moment now? What if I were to tell you that you can experience the fullness of your salvation in this moment, not just when you get to heaven? Some of you might lean back in your chair and go, well, start talking. Because that's not been my experience. Been there? Right? Because there's hard times, isn't there, that come in life. There's difficulty. And when you are a godly follower of Jesus Christ, the world is going to hate you. When you get saved, you make an enemy. And up until then, you had no enemies. That's what people don't realize. They're afraid to tell you that because they think you won't be saved. Let me tell you something. When the Holy Spirit starts speaking to your heart, you, can't, you almost can't resist Him. Because it's a beautiful thing. And no matter what He's offering, it's be- I'd rather have the devil as my enemy than my friend. <laughs> Amen to that? Amen. Holy mackerel. Turn the lights brighter, James. I want the devil as my enemy. I want my life to upset him. I want to be a threat. Because you know what? When he comes against me, God will take care of it. Unless Uh-oh, here comes trouble. Unless he's using him to deal with something in my life that keeps me from expressing the full glory of God. Yeah, I don't think I'd get an amen on that one. It's true, though. It's true. I'm going to tell you the truth. The thing is, we have to discern the difference. And so if you lose your saltiness, if you cease to be who you are, And how do we do that? We do that by, sometimes we just don't realize it. Sometimes we doubt it. Or sometimes we falsely reject it. How many of you have ever heard somebody pray and you go, man, they can really pray. I wish I could pray like that. You ever done that? Or you see these people that they just seem so godly and they have all this wisdom all the time. And you're just like, man, why can't I be like that? You ever done that? Stop doing that. (coughs) Because what that's saying, what you were really saying to God, is God, how you made me is less than how you made them. We need to see, we we don't embrace our identity. We like certain things about, stop doing that. Embrace how God made you. How many of you are weird? Half the hands went up. 
Only, only half. <laughs> the, the other half is glad we're not like them. <laughs> That's horrible. That's horrible. Nobody's going to ever come here. We should put that on the sign. If you're weird, you're welcome. They're going to think this is an Austin church for sure. <laughs> We've completely lost this whole thing. All right. So we're, we're talking about saltiness. <laughs> we're talking about saltiness. Don't lose your saltiness. And he says this. Watch this. He said, if you lose your saltiness, you're no longer useful. So understanding our identity, and this follows the brokenness, the coming alive in Christ, the understanding and becoming useful. And he starts right there in the next verses when he's talking about salt. And he said, if you lose it, if you stop understanding who you are in Christ, I can't use you. Because it becomes about us then. It becomes about what we can do. And God will cease to work through your life when it becomes about you. Because he will not share credit with anyone for what he does. And as long as we have the opportunity to take credit for that or think it's something we've done, then we're losing out on what God has for us in that moment. And so you become no longer useful. The end of our usefulness is tied to our realization and acceptance of our identity in Christ. That's why our class is so important, folks. That's why it's important that we take a look at what the scriptures actually say. Have you ever, anybody here besides me <laughs> ever looked for a verse and say, I know it's in the Bible and you can't find it anywhere? And we believe that is true and we quoted it as a verse? That's what you quote to your children. <laughs> you see their room. <laughs> I remember looking for the Gulf of Souls. I know, right? You can ask me about that one later. It came out of a movie in the, in the late, uh, early 90s. The Gulf of Souls. Some of you all know the movie. It's not in there. It's in the book. They made it up. I know, it's in there. You studied. Well, what? maybe it's the other version. You ever done that one? And so the truth matters. The truth matters. Amen? Amen? We want the truth, right? Yes. The truth matters. And so he says that if we lose our saltiness, we're no longer useful. Listen, if God says it about you, it's true. If this book says it about me, it's true. You know, there used to be a bumper sticker that says... God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Remember that one? What a horrible bumper sticker. God says it, that settles it, whether I believe it or not. No matter, my belief of it doesn't make settle it. When God said it, he said, when he said it's finished, it was finished. He had done everything to secure my salvation. Not my acceptance of that. Remember this other bumper sticker? I don't know. I don't know what's going on up here today, but y'all just ride with me. God is my co-pilot. Y'all remember that one? 
That is the dumbest bumper sticker. God better be my pilot. I want him in charge, man. I don't want him doing what he ain't my he's not my my assistant. He should be in charge. He's flying the plane. I'm just glad to be in it. And if he crashes into the side of a mountain, that's where I'm supposed to be. Oh, you lost me there. If Jesus is leading you and you're following him, that's where you got to be. We want to say Jesus is going to land in this beautiful meadow with these flowers and we're going to skip and... I mean, I'm not going to skip. That's as close as it gets. <laughs> Some of y'all were like, ooh, is he going to skip? Is he going to fall off? <laughs> but sometimes, did, did, was Jesus' life like that? They were seeking him out to kill him. And he said, excuse me, and he walked right through him. Once. But the other time he submitted to him. Because of you and me. And them. He died for the very people who were crucifying him. We will not open a conversation on forgiveness right now. But if you ever need one, take a look at that. If we choose not to embrace who we are, we will be discarded and dismissed. If people do not see the change, what impact are we going to have? If they don't see what God actually did, what hope do we have to give them? See, we are the salt of the earth. Not, we don't, we don't, we're not in a shaker and God dispenses us. Because you're here, you change things. The people that know you, you change. The people in our lives are changed because we have a friendship with them. Because we know them, we have conversations with them. They say stuff and God uses it in our life and we say stuff and he uses it in their lives and we get gain greater understanding into his word. And so listen, you are salt. You are salt. But that's not all. You are light as well. You're the light of the world. Well, isn't that interesting that he calls us the light of the world? Wasn't Jesus the light of the world? Right? Doesn't the Bible say Jesus? How can Jesus be the light of the world and me be the light of the world and you be the light of the world? It doesn't say we contain the light of the world. It says we are the light of the world. I know y'all are getting, y'all look so nervous this morning. I love it. just contain the light not a, a, a well we are vessels but I'm not just a vessel he says you are the light of the world you don't just shine the light to the world you are the light this is our essence folks this is our essence we illuminate the world to the truth remember the little children's church song This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, shine, let it shine, let it shine. 
Hide it under a bush. Oh no, I'm gonna blow it up. Oh no, come on kids. I'm gonna let it shine. We are the light. Now I want you to see something that God is doing with you. It's in these verses. And it's way cool. Watch this. You cannot be hidden. Now, how many of you have ever tried to hide from the fact that you're a Christian? Woo! Well, it, you know, I just kind of go along with them. Let me tell you something. They know. They know. <laughs> they know. And I'm going to show you the hand of God in your life in just a second. This is going to be really clear. I can't wait. <coughs> so it says that you're a city set on a hill. Right? A city set on a hill. How many of you have ever seen the mountains before? A mountain can be seen from a long way off, right? But sometimes you can't see the valleys till you're on the mountain top. But you can see a mountain from a long way off. In other words, there's no hiding. But he goes on with this. He goes on. God does not make us the light of the world to hide us. Why would he do that? He doesn't make us the light of the world to hide us. He puts us in a place to affect those around us. So why does God have you where you are? We need to ask ourselves that question. Because what's happening is we recognize the decay and the other things in the people around us and the fact that they celebrate that among each other, don't they? Well, yeah, this week I got... I got smashed when I went out and I was all drunk and stuff. And, and they, they wear it like a badge when inside they're dying. And don't let that worldly bravado make you think that they're not needing of Christ. That they're not even realizing the thing. They do realize. Why do you think they're doing something to make themselves feel better? Why do you think that they've got to have conquest? And why do you think that they've got to talk about their job or how much money they make? Or what? Because they don't feel sufficient. And so we hear that and we go, well, what do I have to offer them? See, that's what the enemy would love you to believe. He has you where you are for a reason because they need the light. That's what they're seeking. And darkness never cast out darkness, but light cast out darkness and darkness cannot cast out the light. We can't turn the darkness on and it obscure all of this. We can turn this on and the darkness flees. Now it'll either flee out of their heart or they'll flee physically. Let them flee. Because they're not fleeing from you. They're fleeing from the Lord. But it feels like they're from us. And that really hurts. So we don't do it. So we don't share the light. Do you see how ridiculous that is? Because that's the thing that's going to save them and rescue them. And that's why we're here. (laughs) 
I'm going to read these verses. I want you to watch. I'm just going to walk through these verses with you. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now watch this in verse 15. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light. So when God lit you, he lit you and put you in a place where people can see it. Because there's a purpose in that. You don't light it and go, okay, well, we lit it. You know, when do we light candles these days? Happy birthday. That's one. Okay, so let's get happy birthday and anniversary out of the way. But when the lights are going out, right, we want to get candles. Why are you lighting the candle? So you can see. And because you have no other light. There's a reason for you to light that candle, right? Or when you want to have that romantic dinner. There's still a reason for lighting the candle, though. Right? So if God lit your candle, don't you think God has a purpose? We know it. Don't you want to know what that is? He made you the light of the world so the world can glorify him. We're going to see that in just a second. He made you the light of the world. He did that for us. We need to stop trying to hide. <laughs> we need to stop trying to hide. Well, you don't understand. They don't allow that at my job. Yes, they do. Yeah, they do. I promise you they do. No, you don't understand. Yeah, I do. They allow humanism, don't they? They allow secularism. The difference is they are bold in their own in their own will. In their own misunderstanding. And if somebody who doesn't know the truth can have boldness, how much more so we? You know, here's the thing. Nobody likes to lose a job, do they? You know what? But if I lose my job because I'm sharing Christ on my break or my lunch hour, you know, the Bible says if you're persecuted, Jesus said this, if you're persecuted on behalf of me, great is your reward in heaven. You want a great reward in heaven? Start sharing Jesus on your job. Listen, if you get fired this week, I want to know about it. We'll pray for you. <laughs> Why do we care more about the supply than the one who supplies it? It's ridiculous, folks. We are so tied up into a, a maintaining our own safety and security that we don't walk for the Lord anymore. We don't. 
We kind of want God to just make our life better. We want somebody we can carry our prayers to. We want to be okay. We don't put ourselves on the line anymore. You know, I'm, if, here, you wanna, we're all going to die, right? If we're all going to die eventually one day, wouldn't it be nice to die for something? Somebody? Bueller? <laughs> you know, if I'm going to die, I want to die for it. No greater love is a man that he laid one lays down his life for his friend. If somebody's going to kill me or I'm going to be dead one day, why not go out for the glory of Jesus Christ? Right? We're so afraid. We need to stop hiding, ladies and gentlemen. He did not light us and put us on a lampstand so nobody could see us. We're afraid because the darkness has gotten more vicious. You know, and God's word says that as in the days of Noah, so shall, so shall things be when my return is. And so I got news for you. It's going to get worse. And in the days of Noah, how many people were found who were righteous? Eight. Eight. So we ain't there yet. We got more than eight here this morning. Eight. But when judgment came, they all, who did they turn to? But it was too late. And you know what? It is not too late for your friends and family now. You are the light of the world. Listen, let's be the light that we are. So realize that we illuminate by what we do. He says it here. This is where behavior does enter into this. The world sees the light in you by your actions. What we do matters, folks. Other people receive hope by watching what you do and being touched by the light your life shines. You want me to read it for you? Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. They see by our faith, by our trusting, by our reliance, by us saying, yes, I'm going to trust him by overhearing us share Christ with somebody and not being fearful. You know? And in your exit interview this week, ask your boss. <laughs> ask your boss, are you a Christian? Are you saved? How many, don't, don't raise your hands, how many of you ever left a job and never asked your boss that question? I have. That's horrible for me. If I am the light of the world, why would I even do that? Instead, I get mad at him and I get, uh, I can't believe it. There's so, that's, I'm glad to be out of there. 
And so there's some truth to that sometimes. But we're not seeing what God's doing. How we live under his leading illuminates the world. So let him lead you. That's how it works. And see, God gets the glory. Because they see him. And that's our goal. See, they're not going to be touched because I'm such a good guy. That doesn't touch anybody. We know a lot of good people that that don't touch us. But when we see the hand of God move, we're like, whoa, there's something there, right? How many of you would like to see the hand of God move this week? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. You can't be out there and see that if you're hiding. Maybe the move God wants to make this week is through you and someone else's life. I'm going to tell you, when some, how many of you have ever, somebody has ever shared with you or you've been there when they prayed, that somebody that received Christ. How many of you know somebody that shared that with you or you got to pray with them? Somebody said, I've been saved. I go, There's something, man, when somebody shares that, it makes you want to tell everybody, right? You're like, yeah, I don't. I know I've lived next to you for like 35 years, but my name is Bob and do you, are you saved? We start talking to people just saying and telling them the gospel story. And they're like, this person is crazy. You say, yes, I am. We're all crazy, but at least I'm saved. <laughs> How about you? Hey, watch out for Bob. He's lost his mind. I have, because I now have the mind of Christ. <laughs> Give me another one. It's one of those mornings. All right. Y'all pray for me. Oh, y'all already are. <laughs> so we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. But then he kind of warns them. He talks to them about uh, their righteousness or our righteousness. Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. Experiencing grace does not diminish the value of God's word. If he fulfilled it, so do we. God, Jesus did not come to eliminate the law. The law was the schoolmaster that brings people to salvation in Christ. And if it's not there to teach them that what they're doing is wrong and that they need a savior, we've lost the point. Because if the law goes away, we don't need a savior. That's why Jesus did not come to do away with the law. If he had done away with it, we would have no reason to be saved. Because they would not have violated the commands. Because they would be over. So he doesn't come to do away with it, which is so easy. I've been saved. I don't have any of We're not under the law. You've heard that. We're not under the law anymore. We're not under the law. No, we're not under the law. We're under grace. But the law still is there. And God's word is still useful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it is the sword of the spirit, not the sword of the body. We don't use the word of God to carve people up. You ever had somebody say, well, let me tell you what God's word says about that. 
Let me tell you, if you apply Matthew 7 first, I'll listen to you all day long. All day long. With joy in my heart. But I can always tell somebody who hasn't applied it because they ain't broken. Because when you've gone through the effort to get that plank out of your eye and come and talk to me about the speck, which by the way is the same problem because he calls him a hypocrite. Hypocrite, he says one thing and does the opposite, right? He calls him, you hypocrite. Get the plank out of your own eye, then you can go see the speck because it's harder to get it out of your own eye than it is to tell somebody else, well, you shouldn't do that, Mark when I'm doing the same thing. But once I've gone through the anguish of surrendering that and letting God heal that hole that that plank put in my eye, and now I can see clearly, I know what Marsha's about to go through. Does that change how I approach her? Absolutely. And if it doesn't, then there's something wrong with my walk. It's not our job. It's the Holy Spirit's job. We are righteous, ladies and gentlemen. Then he talks about those who are least and greatest in the kingdom. Those who are least in the kingdom, they dismiss parts of God's word and teach others to do the same. They don't fully understand the value. Now, isn't it interesting that they're still in the kingdom, though? Did you notice that? Nobody talks about that part of it. You can mess up and not lose your salvation. Right there in God's word, black and white. They're just called least. They're missing out on things. It's the whole counsel of the word of God. You know, listen, I don't know about you. There's things in the Bible I don't like. And you know what the, what the answer is? The Bible's right and Mark is wrong. And there's something wrong in my life that I don't embrace. That I've been affected by society. I've been affected by acceptance. I've been affected by other things to say, man, I don't really like that. But there are things that are there. Either that, I really don't understand it in full. So Mark is still growing. <laughs> you know, I know, I know, this is true. I knew a church who the pastor got saved. And the church fired him. They didn't want to save the pastor. I want a pastor who's growing, right? Who's saved. <laughs> That's an advantage. I'll tell you what, I'll take salvation over, over this job any day. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen Good night. This is just what we do. That's who we are. That's what this is about. That's why I don't tell people I'm a pastor. Because then they say, well, you've got to tell me about Jesus then. No, I don't got to. I get it. I've got a million of them today. I get to tell you. And so watch this. There's those who are at least those who are great in the kingdom. They both keep and teach others to keep God's word. Studying the word of God is important if we're going to be an effective workman for the Lord. That's in 2 Timothy 2.15. Where's all my Iwana people? 
not here. <laughs> Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's our calling. Our righteousness, he tells us in the end, that our righteousness must surpass the scribes and Pharisees. Woo, boy. And they, you know what? They were so focused on keeping every little thing about the word of God that they created laws to keep themselves from violating the laws of God. They added to it. Mistake number one. They created all these definitions. Like you couldn't work on Sunday. And that meant you couldn't travel from your home. So then they created workarounds. So if you took a rock out of the wall of your house. And carried it with you seven steps. And set it down and then picked it up. You never traveled that far from your home. So you're still good. That's where the law leads you. And that's what the people walking in darkness. Are living under. And that's why we are salt and light. To set them free from that garbage. Because the enemy wants to twist them up and bind them and lay all of this stuff on them that they can never live up to. Thank God. Thank you for that. Because now I can tell them there's hope. Because we can't live up to it. Jesus did it for us. And when we come to faith and salvation in him, we are righteous. See, their righteousness was self-righteousness. It was all about what they did. Our righteousness is about what he did for us. And he gives that to us. He imputes that to us. I don't rely on what I do. I rely on what he did. And if that's not good enough, then I have no hope. And so this morning, why are we still focusing on becoming better Christians? Why don't we just wipe that slate off and say, let me know you. Let me know you. Use whatever circumstance you want, within reason. <laughs> but let me know you. And let me see in the moment what you're up to. Forget all this comparison, ladders. You know, listen, if God allowed us to climb this ladder of spiritual superiority, what does that get us? Pride. So what we're actually seeking is not part of the plan of God. God, <laughs> Jesus was consumed for us. It doesn't work the way it's been sold in Christianity today and over the last 10 or 20 years. It doesn't work. That's why Christians are sitting at home burned out and have been mistreated. And have no way to be restored, they think. I have news for them. There's restoration and hope in Jesus Christ. And you know what they're sitting there saying? I've heard that before. But I've been to church. And I know what it's about. I would invite them to come here. Because here, you can make a mistake. And we don't bury our wounded, we lift them up. We're the only army in the world that bears its wounded. You know, my job is to bandage you 
Put that white powder on you that stops the bleeding. Stop bleeding, is that what that's called, James? James is our medic. James is a lot of things. If you're wondering if somebody does it, just ask James. It's a 50 50 show. We're to be a hospital to get people back on the field. And we have to be on the field so we can be there to dress them. Because they're out there hurting folks. And having a pretty yard, a pretty door, and, a, and an expensive house doesn't mean a thing. Darkness does not look at bank accounts before it finds residence in the heart and soul. If money could fix all their problems, millionaires would never commit suicide. Our righteousness has to surpass that, and Jesus' does. And we are imputed with his righteousness. You see, let the righteousness of God shine through. Embrace who you are. Embrace and be who you are in Christ. You know, so where do these identity realizations leave us? When you think about yourself, who do you think you are? What do you picture? Picture this? Aim higher. <laughs> you picture yourself in the mirror, we primp and we did we buy I wonder how much money we spend in, in male and female cosmetics or creams and things to something, you know, like, what? We buy stuff to help when we, when we itch or when we break out or we have, we have all these things we put on us to make ourselves look better and feel better. I mean, how many of you used deodorant this morning? <laughs> Only half. <laughs> Fantastic. There goes attendance. We need to take that off the tape. Why'd you do that? Right? But we do. We do. You know, the sum of your likes and dislikes, and are you the sum of your likes and dislikes and life choices? Is that what you are? We kind of see ourselves that way sometimes. You know, if these, <laughs> what if those things we're meant to serve you and be a platform to reveal who you really are to the world. What if your likes and dislikes and things that have happened to you are meant to be the platform that God reveals himself through to the world? So they see God invade that. They see God step in. They say, listen, this is my story. And this is how God changed me. I'm a what survivor. I was lost and now I'm found. Mm -hmm. They don't let you fire your wicks with. Mm. 
Two, what is keeping you from deciding to give your entire life over to the Lord and not worrying about the consequences? What is keeping us from saying, it's all yours? Because we said that when we were saved, right? You can't be saved without doing that. You can't surrender to God and go, I mean, <laughs> say, well, but you're not taking this. <laughs> when you surrender in salvation, you lay it all down. And you know, the thing is, is we try to sneak back into the Lord's house and go, and we go get that thing that we like. You know, I hope he doesn't see. We don't realize how ridiculous that comment was. What's keeping you? Why can't we just be sold out? We don't have to worry about growth at that point. Man, we think God's going to send people that need hope and help. But when people are completely surrendered to him, how many of you ever, we've talked about it here. I need to, I really need to show this. It's a VHS tape. <laughs> so see, yeah, we'll have to go over to Goodwill and get a VHS player. How many of you ever heard of the Ashbury Revivals? Wow. Thank you. My wife has heard of them. It started with six people praying for God to show up. And then God led them to get six more people. And it broke out in Ashbury College. And it actually, then, it was good. They had chapel in the afternoon, on Friday afternoon. It went all the way through Sunday. And then they started sending people out on Monday and were sharing in classrooms. And one of the people who was one of the my fathers in ministry and mentors in my life was in one of the classrooms where they came and spoke. And revival broke out in the room. And how it started was, as they started confessing sin... Singing and praying. And then somebody else would stand up and confess sin. They would sing and pray. And it went on and on and on. Because God showed up. Because we don't hold that stuff anymore. We don't hold the things that, that we think are important to us. You know, all those things that you wish that God would not take away from you, you wouldn't even care. You ever been there? You wouldn't even care. What's keeping you? Fear, insecurity, worldliness? We're afraid. We're not secure that God's going to take it. What if I give this up? Listen, you don't have anything that God hasn't given to you. Nothing. You got nothing. You know, that's why I say, you know, God don't want your money because you ain't got none. Are you glad you came to church today? You're broke. The earth and the fullness thereof belong to the Lord. It's all His. Not 10%, 100%. It's ridiculous. We argue over percentages. Is it before the net or is it the gross of the net? I love that question because it's, it's an irrelevant question. He owns all of it. If He wants you to give 80%, you better give it. Amen? Oh my? <laughs> If God tells me to give 80%, I better give 80%. How many of you have ever prayed that God would give you a million dollars? You tell God, if you give it to me, I'll tithe on it. You ever done that? What a ripoff. God's out $900,000. <laughs> Why don't you pray for a million bucks and tell God you give it all back to him? 
What if he did that for all of us? How could we impact the world? How many churches could we build with that overseas? How many people could we feed? How many children could we get water to? And then share the living water with? And that's a good idea. Somebody needs to run with that. Maybe Luis. <laughs> He's like, oh, I was trying to shrink down. <laughs> Luis would, I've never seen Luis shrink at a challenge, ever. Three, when God works through you, don't put your eyes on it or seek another event. Rejoice, but don't ever stop seeking Him. Don't seek the events, seek Him. When the events happen, thank God for them. Thank God that you were there, but continually seek Him. Our righteousness is not found in our behavior, it's found in Him. Those of you who have ever been in business or have been, uh, know that it's real important to be clear in your message and communication. Some businesses who have miscused as they've moved into other countries, and I've got a few of those to share with you this morning. How many, we talked about makeup earlier. How many of you have ever heard of Miss Clairol? Right? Miss Clairol introduced something called the Mist Stick. The M-I-S-T stick. It was a curling iron. And they were moving into Germany with it. Only to find out that the word mist in German is slang for manure. So not too many people had use for a manure stick. Gerber. We've all heard of Gerber. Gerber started selling baby food in Africa. And they used the same packaging that was here in the United States. You know, the little pig and the little baby, the picture of the little baby on there. And it was a beautiful little Caucasian baby on the label. Later, they learned in Africa that African companies prefer to put pictures on the label of what's inside since most people can't read. That didn't work out so well. Pepsi! Yeah, did anybody here ever take the Pepsi challenge? I did. I picked Coke. <laughs> I did it on purpose because I could tell the difference. <laughs> Plus, I like Coke, but that's separate. Pepsi, remember they had the, the Come Alive, the Pepsi generation? Remember Michael Jackson? Was he doing his thing? With a little more rhythm than that? Uh, they moved into China. And the Come Alive with Pepsi generation translated is transla translates like this. Pepsi brings your ancestors back from the grave. And so, another failure, right, of communication. <coughs> Coca-Cola. They moved into China as well. You know, Pepsi's going to China. Coke's got to go. And it was first read, I'm going to try and do this justice, Kiku Kila, meaning bite the wax tadpole, or female horse stuffed with wax, depending on the dialect. Coke researched 40,000 characters to find a phonetic equivalent. They came up with Kuku Kuli, translated into happiness in the mouth. 
What does that have to do with what we're talking about? These miscommunications can cause somebody to believe something falsely about a product. And we have to be careful that we are not miscommunicating the beauty and the grace of salvation by how we present the story. Be careful. We do not need false advertising about Jesus and his love for others. Be the salt and light you are and focus on him. That's how this works. And so he sets us up. We walk through brokenness. We come alive. We start to understand how he uses us. And then he says, now this is who you are. There's power, ladies and gentlemen, in the fact that Jesus saved you. He saved you. He didn't save you to admire Billy Graham. He didn't save you to admire Mother Teresa. He saved you because there's value in you for his glory. And I hope you're willing to accept it and say, I'm ready. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.